Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Today we sit down with a Montana legend, Craig Matthews. Craig is one of the most interesting figures in the fly fishing world and is also co-founder of 1% for the Planet. He is here representing the headwaters of Hell Roaring and Slough Creek. Craig shares with us his lifelong dedication to conservation and why protection of these creeks is so important. Hi, Craig, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? Fine. Beautiful weather here. We're enjoying and uh, just having a good time. So where are you joining us from today? Today we're near, uh, actually we're near the biosphere. If people remember biosphere two, um, out by Oracle between Catalina and Oracle, Arizona. Oh, that's beautiful. What's the, what's the temperature there right now? Right now it's 67 degrees, dead calm and beautiful sunshine. Mm. Big blue sky. Mm, beautiful. Bring some back when you come back to Montana. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to. <laughs> <laughs> well, Craig, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here today. I sincerely appreciate it. And Craig, I have you representing two vital headwaters under the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act. Both Hell Roaring and Slough Creeks, just outside of the park boundary, could receive 19 miles each of their own protection. Now, Craig, you are a legend to most here in Montana. However, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? We came to Montana <laughs> in 1979. I came as the police chief and my wife came as a police dispatcher with a goal of staying for one year before I was to enter the FBI Academy. And uh, yeah, we fell in love uh, with West Yellowstone and with the surrounding area and with all the wild trout fishing it offered. And uh, Began a fly fishing shop. We hired handicapped fly tires initially and started a wholesale fly fishing operation in 1979, late 1979, and called Blue Ribbon Flies. And we owned Blue Ribbon Flies um, for the next 40 years. So in, in that time as well, you're a signature fly tire. You are also a guide, an instructor, um, a conservation champion. Uh, what else has your career looked like in in the valley? <laughs> it's been pretty busy, and we even though yeah. we recently sold the fly shop and I retired as an outfitter, we still keep very busy 
on the conservation front. We were on the founding board of the Yellowstone Park Foundation, which is now called Yellowstone Forever. We're on the Stewardship Directors Council of Montana Trout Unlimited. Um, myself and Yvonne Chenard co-founded uh, Together 1% for the Planet, which is a conservation organization that donates uh, business member of 1% for the Planet, donate 1% of their gross sale and we recently broke $300 million. Uh, 2020, we wow. did almost $30 million for conservation. Um, we keep our hands in a lot of different uh, things that pertain to conservation and really enjoy watching people get involved in conservation, particularly through fly fishing. Absolutely. And you guys, being located where you are in the world, can touch and reach a lot of different people from all over the world that are coming through kind of the Yellowstone thoroughfare. So that is fantastic. It's been a lot of fun. And, you know, like when uh, President Carter came uh, in 1981, um, we taught the, the Secret Service agents at that time how to fly fish. Um, since then, we've, uh, because of that, of course, we met a lot of the news media. Tom Brokaw is a good friend, Dan Rather, um, Charles Corralt. We met all these people throughout that time period, and they remain good friends to this day. That is awesome. You definitely have met a lot of folks from different walks of life. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. <laughs> it sounds like it, but it, it sounds like you have also worked your way and given your all to get everything to where you are today. So, Well, you know, it's just a pleasure to get involved. It's like Theodore Roosevelt said once. He said, it's not what we have that will make us a great nation. It's the way in which we use it. And I've been a big uh, believer in that and trying to protect and preserve um, what we have left of our, our resource. And that's why I'm particularly excited to see how Roaring Creek and Slough Creek up for the Headwaters Legacy Act. Both are very important watersheds, home to grizzly bears, wolverines, bighorn sheep, wildlife corridors, unspoiled native uh, trout fishing. It's just been incredible. And I, I just am so excited to see these uh, fisheries and wild places up for, for this nomination. Yes. You and me both. So kind of piggybacking off of that, can you give us a geographic location of where we're we're talking today? You know, it's it's if you went into Yellowstone Park and followed the Yellowstone River up where the Lamar River joins the Yellowstone up towards the northeast corner, between the northeast uh, corner and northeast entrance to Yellowstone at Silvergate and the north corner, the, the north entrance at, at Gardner, both of these streams enter the Yellowstone Park and the Yellowstone River um, coming from the north, from the Custer Gallatin National Forest and working downstream into the Yellowstone in Yellowstone National Park. Yes, and the neat thing about these two creeks, they parallel each other, as you said, coming out of the Absaroka Beartooth Wilderness area. The neat thing about Slough Creek is it's not a very long watershed, but this protection that we're speaking of today, 19 miles just outside of the Yellowstone National Park boundary line, from the headwaters down almost all the way to the park boundary would be safeguarded. So this ecosystem could gain protection in nearly its entirety. And the same scenario can be and would be achieved on Hell Roaring Creek as well. I was wondering if you could give us a little bit more of a description of this area, the water, and the fisheries itself. Well, the Hell, Hell Roaring Creek is basically unlike Slough Creek in terms of the water character. Hell Roaring Creek 
is just that. It's a hell-roaring son of a gun, full of big pockets, little waterfalls and pools, an extremely rugged country, uh, mountain goat and bighorn sheep country, whereas Slough Creek, the neighboring drainage, um, is a little bit mellower, um, not near as nasty country, more uh, pockets and glides, and it's a meandering stream, particularly once you get just above Frenchie's Meadow and uh, Sue Charlie's Meadow, beautiful meandering mountain stream, both very wild um, and both full of wild and native fish. Slough Creek has been restored and is continually being restored by Yellowstone Forever in the park. And I realize that's slightly downstream of of the Headwaters Act, but nonetheless, um, it's been treated and it's trying to be, they're trying to make it and restore it to totally a wild uh, native fishery, native Yellowstone cutthroat fishery. They're removing uh, introduced uh, rainbow trout. Hellroaring Creek is just a nasty son of a gun. If you like to fish little 10-car rods and catch a whole bunch of fish in pocket water nature, um, it's just a beautiful little stream. doesn't get very much fishing pressure at all. Sounds gorgeous. And so, Craig, why is this area of the world special to you? For several reasons, not only from a fishery standpoint, but from a wildlife standpoint. And again, you know, where else can an area like this claim to be such a tremendous migration corridor and just an animal corridor, um, whether it be grizzly bears or wolverines or bighorn sheep, elk, uh, moose, it has it all. Mountain goats, it's just a wonderful area, very wild in nature, not visited um, very much. I remember a few years back, uh, my buddy broke off from NBC Nightly News and Yvonne Chouinard and I worked up into the area we're talking about and we took turns catching fish after fish after fish. We had the best time. There wasn't a track, a human track on the bank. There was only a grizzly bear track. And where else can you go and have that kind of fishing, that kind of peace and solitude? That sounds gorgeous. And it does sound like a quintessential wild place that you'd find in Montana. And that's why this area is in need of protection. Totally. Yep. Yep. If we let this develop and if we let this slip through our hands, we have no excuse. You know, the toughest problems are always human problems. And uh, mm-hmm. we have, we can't stand around here and with our hands in our pocket. We have got to protect and preserve these these wild areas for our children and for our grandkids and for all future generations. Agreed. So let me ask you, in all of your facets within the fly fishing industry, whether it was from guiding, um, customers coming into the shop, uh, with blue ribbon flies. How do you share or did you share important conservation issues facing Montana with those folks? You know, I love and I still do this. I still take people fishing for conservation groups and you get to spend a whole day with them. And there you are, beautiful wild trout fishery or a native trout fishery in a wild place. And you have their ear the whole day. And when they catch a fish, boy, I'm going to tell you, you know, the light bulb comes on from within and they are totally hooked. I'll never forget one gentleman I had um, and I was going to ask him for some serious money for a conservation project that we're Mm -hmm. doing on my home river, the Madison River. And I said to myself, "Okay, I'm going to ask Art for twenty five thousand dollars today. 
And mm-hmm. I had a hard time. I always have a hard time asking for people, but it was for asking <laughs> for money for people. But it was for a great conservation project. It was for $3 bridge project, which protects about four miles of the Madison. And we're sitting there fishing and Art catches the a 17-inch brown, and he's got this huge smile on his face, and we net the fish, and he is so excited. I take a few photos, and he said, okay. He said, what do you got to have? I said, what do you mean? He said, we both know that you're going to ask me for some money today. And I said, well, <laughs> I am. And I said, I was thinking of 25000 And he said, I was thinking of 175000 So, you know, I said, well, we'll take it. <laughs> Those are the kind of people that make the world go around. And, uh, if we make the ask and if we lead by example and we show people, you know, our, our living room and our, 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 our favorite places and we're catch and release wild trout fishing and native trout fishing, um, people get so in tune to nature that way and they want to open up their wallets and do what's right for conservation. Wow, that was a generous donation. Absolutely. And furthering that with protection of this, if this bill is passed, how do you see this area benefiting from the protection? Well, you know, you're 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 not going to see development. You won't see dams, or I mean, it'll be totally protected. Traditional uses in, in terms of uh, you know cattle grazing and that sort of thing would be continued. Um, so we're not going to have issues there, but it will just protect and preserve one of the greatest wildlife migration corridors in the lower 48 states. And I think that's critical. And I, I, I know it's critical for the state of Montana and for the residents of the state of Montana. And Montana has always led from a wild trout standpoint and from a conservation standpoint. And I would be really disappointed if we still can't lead the way and we have got to lead the way to protect, you know, these last great places that we have. Absolutely. And, you know, 19 miles on each creek, that adds up. I mean, when we're talking about the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, this is 336 miles that we have the opportunity to do this right. And so it all adds up and it all counts at the end of the day. Absolutely. You're you're right. Yep. Yep. And we have that obligation right now um, Mm -hmm. to put this together and to stand and support it. And you have to start somewhere. And and let's face it, this, this, uh, this act starts somewhere and it will just continue forward. And who knows where it'll go from there. Agreed. Hopefully it'll end in protection of these places that we're talking about here today, Hellroaring Creek and Slough Creek. Yes. And, you know, it'll only enhance Montana from an economic standpoint. You know, the the money now that's made to the state in outdoor jobs, I mean, it's become the second largest industry just behind cattle and agriculture. And it may overtake cattle and agriculture in the next few years. Montana's leading the way and uh, they might as well keep right on leading the way. I couldn't agree more. So, Craig, let me ask you if you could share a quick story kind of off the top of your head in which a client, a customer, or anyone along the way of your decades of guiding, owning a business in the fly fishing industry, in which someone has demonstrated conservation ethics that you have taught them. Yeah, boy, I can I can think of several, mainly because of 1% for the planet. When... Outdoor industry people join 1% for the Planet, our alliance of businesses. And the the reason for 1% for the Planet is uh, quite simple. Businesses that make a healthy living because of public resources, like we're talking about right here with the Legacy Act, they donate 1% of their gross sale. Now, that's, that's, that's a lot. 
you know, 1% of your gross sale, no hocus pocus, um, well, before profit or after profit. Nope, it's 1% of your gross sale. And you can't believe how many members that have joined and time to come to their right to their first check. And I've had the phone ring off the hook by people that said, you know what? We didn't think we could write that first check, but we did. And we've, we've written several checks after that. Not only has it helped our business grow, because people find out that if they can support business, a business that gives back to what they know and love through, through their purchases, they're going to purchase more and more and more. And I had so many people become customers of ours because of our uh, founding 1% for the planet. And I can think of dozens of business owners that called me and, and thanked me afterwards and said, man, this has been the greatest thing. And I feel so good about it because now we can support the outdoor industry. We can support conservation and we can give back. And that's what this whole thing is all about. So let me ask you, where did 1% for the planet, what was its uh, conception? <laughs> Quickly, it's a long story. But, um <laughs> Way back when, when I was the police chief, Montana, West Yellowstone, Montana, was the first city in Montana to go to the state legislature and ask for the right to levy a 1% um, sales tax, if you will. And they went, we went to the legislature in 1984, were granted the right to go to the townspeople in the form of a referendum, which was an, unanimously passed to, to levy a 1% fee to provide necessary service, police, water, fire, power, sewer, to to the tourists. You know, here we were, a community of 700 people trying to provide services to 7,000 people. And long story short, about whew, 15 years after that, Mike Finley, the superintendent of Yellowstone Park, is at a meeting with the townspeople, and he said, we have got to have help here. We can't fund this this park. We can no longer fund necessary services in Yellowstone. The government's not giving us enough money. And I stood up and I said, it's quite simple. What every business, every local business that makes a living because of Yellowstone National Park should um, tax themselves 1% of their gross sale and sell it to, send it to Yellowstone National Park to the Yellowstone Park Foundation. And I'll never forget Michael Finley. He called me the next day and said, I could just kiss you on the forehead. <laughs> but that caused kind of a revolution, and my buddy Yvonne Chenard and I were sitting on the on the bank of the Madison River one day, and we decided to to found one percent for the planet um, under this whole program, where businesses that make a living because of a healthy resource tax themselves one percent and send it to conservation causes that support um, those causes, and it's been it's been huge. It's been a huge success. And again, I think I, I said earlier, we uh, broke $300 million for conservation. We're grown by leaps and bounds. Um, we're worldwide now. And uh, France has been our biggest growth. The country of France, Canada is coming on strong. And it's really cool to watch this whole thing grow. And, uh, you know, again, it's just been huge. So for listeners, how can they get involved with 1% for the Planet? There's several ways. Number one, you can support 1% for the Planet members. And You'll find out who the members are whenever you walk through the front door. They'll be supporting or sporting a 1% for the planet banner or a decal on their business. And you can rest, be rest assured that if you spend money with that organization, 
they're going to donate to causes that, uh, for instance, uh, Montana Trout Unlimited. Um, mm -hmm. It's all researched and approved conservation causes. All you have to do is go to 1% for the planet and sign up. Show that you're, a, I think it's a 501c or whatever corporation, and you can be listed as the recipient of dollars for causes, conservation causes. That way, guides and outfitters could become 1% members, encourage their clients to donate. And, you know, we always encourage our clients to donate to, to the Yellowstone Park Foundation, which is now called Yellowstone Forever under the native fisheries program. And it's that's been huge. I mean, a lot, millions of dollars came in to the fishing program, the fisheries program that way. That is great. Thank you for oh, and sharing I should, I should, uh, I should mention too, people now can become, this is one we fought hard for two years ago. Yvonne and I were board the first board members. Who are, we've since retired off the board and it's got a tremendous board now. But what we did is we made sure that individuals can become members. I, uh, my wife and I are, are individual member number one. Our business was member number two. But what we, our goal was because up before this, if you were a retired person or, you know, you were just a, a private person working somewhere, you couldn't be a member. Well, now you can be. And it's very simple. All you have to do is show that you're donating. And most people are doing this anyway. They're donating 1% to conservation causes. So you uh, have your accountant send in a, a letter that recognizes that to 1% for the planet, and boom, you're a 1% for the planet member. You have to pay a very small administration fee every year to be a member, and that's it. Then you can fly the 1% for the planet banner. And what tickles me are young people from around the world now. They walk in, and if they see that 1% for the planet banner, they explain to their parents what it means. Kids know about it. That is wonderful. Fantastic work. Thank Great. you. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Craig, lastly, if you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action, what would that be? Well, you know, again, um, you can't change the past, but the future would be a different story. And you have to start somewhere. And I like to call it a compass for life where you know, a lot of people that I know, a lot of fly fishermen in their 80s, and they go, holy moly, we have got to get involved and save this. Um, and it's so cool to see young and old alike get involved, get their hands dirty, get their hands out of their pocket, get their butts off the couch, and do things to protect those few places that we've got left that we can do something about. And two of them are like what we're talking about right now, Slough Creek and, and mm -hmm. uh, Hellering Creek. And I think that's so important. And it makes you feel so goddamn good to get up in the morning and go, okay, look what we got done yesterday. We're going to go for it again today. And you can see the fruits of your labor, and you can go back to those wild places and sit on the bank and catch a few fish and smile to yourself, knowing that you help protect and preserve and enhance those places. There is no feeling like that. Yep. Well, thank you so much for your time on this and too for your years of dedication to conservation, not only in these bills, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act and the Crown of the Continent proposal, but all of your work over the last four decades. Well, thank you. It sure doesn't seem that long. And thank you for <laughs> what you're doing. Thank you for your hard work and, and, and keep at it, kiddo. Um, it'll only get better uh, for all future Please generations. Thanks for your hard work. Thank you, Craig. I so appreciate it.
You too. I hope to see you sometime. Yes, I'll make it down. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit healthyriversmt.org to add your endorsement.